everyone. Welcome to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. We're so glad you're joining us to hear another message this week. And we wanted to take just a minute to let you know that things are probably going to sound a little bit different over the coming weeks. Obviously, we're all living in the era of the coronavirus. And so we're recording our messages from different places right now. We are trying to stay out of our our building and off our campus. Uh, We're trying to honor social distancing and things like that. So we are recording from homes and from offices and from computers all over the place. Uh, So things may sound different, but we're going to continue to bring you message content every week. Uh, In addition, we want you to know that you can still stay connected with us even though we're apart. Head over to our Facebook page. You can join our Seven Runners Facebook group as well, or go to sevenrun.com slash COVID-19 help. Uh, There you'll find some resources, ways that we can pray for you, things like that. I'll tell you a little bit more about those specifics after the message. For now, we hope that you enjoy this week's message. Well, hello, Severn Run, and welcome to the Atlee Retreat Center. We wanted you to be with us here today because, number one, we wanted you to be able to see that amazing things are still happening, even in the middle of this COVID-19 lockdown. In fact, over the course of the past few weeks, we have been inside of this great place, and we've been putting paint on the walls. Lots of furniture is beginning to be moved in, and we are looking forward to the day in the very near future when we are going to be out of this current mess and we're going to be able to come together here and use this house for what God has provided it for and that is to retreat. That is a way to be able to get away and to be able to hear from him and to be able to establish some great peace in our lives. So we wanted you to know that there's still a lot going on. There's still a lot happening and we are getting ready for the day that we can put this place into its full operational use and we are excited about that. So keep that in your prayers if you would. And the other part is that this is a great backdrop for exactly the type of encouragement that we want to give you today when we begin talking about what it means to be involved in wilderness prayer. But before we get there, we've started this series called It's Time to Grow. And so I can't think of a better place for us to go and start having that conversation today than the garden. So let's go ahead and go down to the garden. Well, hello and welcome to the garden here at Atlee. Well, actually, it's not quite a garden yet. It has been in the past. It will be in the future. But for right now, uh, the ground is kind of hard and packed. It's been a while since it's been used, but it doesn't look too bad. I mean, you can see that there's some grass growing. We've got some wildflowers. The reality is this can look a whole lot like our lives. On the outside, people can look and say, hey, listen, it's not a bad place to be. Um, there's that, that, that person seems to have it all together, but when it's all said and done, we're really not bearing fruit. We're not becoming everything that God has intended for us to become. In order for this garden to ever be a place that actually that bears fruit, we're gonna have to go through the process of cultivation. We're gonna have to come out here with some tools and we're gonna have to get rid of the grass. We're gonna have to dig up the weeds, get rid of the wildflowers, pull out any rocks that are here. And then we're gonna have to come in here and work the soil, make it ready, make it a place to where we can actually bring in some plants that will bear some fruit. The same is often true in our own personal lives. Over time, things might be growing, but the the hardness of our soul continues to get packed in there. And we've got to do the hard work of being able to deal with past memorized emotions and bad habits and hurts and hangups. And that's not easy. It's gonna take some work to be able to get this garden up to the point that it ought to be. We're going to have to put in some, some sweat and some tears possibly even. 
to be able to make it happen. And in order for us to be able to cultivate our souls, we're gonna have to be able to do the exact same thing. It's not gonna be easy, it's gonna be tough, but if it means that it will bear fruit in our lives and we're gonna become everything that God has intended for us to become, then it will be well worth all of the effort. Now, Jesus has provided for us multiple tools that we can use to be able to help to cultivate the garden of our souls. One of those tools is prayer. He's given us this opportunity to be able to sit in his presence every single day and be able to give him our 100% undivided attention. Just being in his presence is enough to be able to start to work up some of the hard packed areas of our lives. Jesus talks about this and he tells us that there's a way, there's a proper way for us to be able to use this cultivation tool called prayer. And then there's a way that while it might be a little bit beneficial, it doesn't have long-term results. He tells us about this when he's teaching on the subject of prayer in Matthew chapter six. In Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse five, here's what he says. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that is all the reward that they will ever get. The first type of way that Jesus tells us we can use this tool of cultivation called prayer is what I'm gonna to refer to as street corner prayer. This is prayer that's kind of focused on all of the outer things in our lives, not the prayer that's focused on the inner work of the soul that God wants to be able to do. This is prayer that while it might have some benefits to us, and you can see even for the Pharisees and the Sadducees who he was talking about, he was saying, hey, there's some reward in this type of prayer, but this is not the type of prayer that is going to have an eternal result. Street corner prayer, while beneficial, will not take you where you want to be. It won't help you to build the fruit inside of your life. In verse six, he tells us the second type of prayer that we can use in order to be able to cultivate our souls. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. If we really want our, life, our prayer life to be beneficial, Jesus tells us to get away from it all. Jump away from all the modern distractions, get away by yourself and just be able to experience the presence of God. This is the prayer that will be the most beneficial inside of our lives. Street corner prayer will focus us on, on what is on the outside. Wilderness prayer will focus us on what's on the inside. Spirit, uh, street corner prayer will focus us on what is physical, while wilderness prayer will focus it, us on what is the spiritual. Street corner prayer will ask God to change others and things and circumstances, while wilderness prayer will ask, be asking God to change us. And that is the thing that can have the greatest impact. That's the thing that can really begin to bear fruit inside of our lives. There's no greater example of wilderness prayer than what Jesus provides for us inside of his life, inside of his incarnation. So let's go sit down and take a look at Luke chapter four and see what Jesus models for us inside of his wilderness prayer life. Well, folks, you're sitting down for this. I wanted to go ahead and be sitting down for this because here's the truth. 
This is the hard part. Wilderness prayer is the toughest prayer that you will ever do in your life. It is the most difficult work of the soul. It is the part where we start to take all of the things that we've not wanted to deal with, that we've not wanted to re-experience, and we begin to till them, we begin to bring them up, and we begin to do the work that will allow us to become everything that we've dreamed of becoming and everything that God wants us to be. But it's not easy, it's really difficult. In fact, Jesus's life and story points to that. You can see what his wilderness prayer was like in Luke chapter four. If you would kind of join me there this morning, Luke chapter four, beginning in verse one, it says, and then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. Now, Jesus is coming off of a really high point in his life and ministry. The, he's, not only does he fully feel the power of the Spirit that is dwelling inside of his life, all of this radical, awesome energy of God that is just bursting through him, but he's just come off of this high point in which he's been baptized. From there, he's going to go and begin the work of wilderness prayer. It says he was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and he became very hungry. I always laugh at that part of the scripture where it says he became very hungry. For me, I would have become very hangry. I would have murdered people if I had gone for 40 days without being able to eat anything. But Jesus became very hungry. And then the real part of this journey begins. The deep part of wilderness prayer work started at that point. When Jesus is famished and when he's already at now what would seem to be a low spot. Jesus is gonna face the three greatest challenges of what it means to be fully human. Now we know that he was fully God, but by incarnating and becoming one of us, he had to also deal with all of the challenges of being fully human. The first challenge that Jesus has to deal with inside of this wilderness prayer is the challenge to place more importance on his physical being rather than his spiritual being. This is the temptation that Satan brings his way. Satan says, hey, listen, if you will solve your physical problem, Jesus, all of your problems will be solved. But Jesus reminds him that, hey, Satan, I'm not just physical, I am a spiritual being. This is what wilderness prayer, real wilderness prayer will do for us. It will remind for us that we're not just physical. Because you see, we walk around all the time with our eyes open, looking at things and touching things and tasting great foods and, and, and enjoying the physical realm. And it's too easy for us to fall prey to the fact that this is all there is. This is one of the reasons why oftentimes it's an effective tool to go ahead and close your eyes when you pray, to be able to turn off all of the distractions of life around you. The crazy part of it is, is even though we see ourselves so much as physical creatures, the side of us that's spiritual is so much bigger, it's so much larger. Even modern science in some way is beginning to point us to this. When we look in the mirror, oftentimes what we see is what we think we get. We can pinch ourselves and we can feel pain. We can hug somebody and we can have a good physical sensation as a result of it. And we can be trapped into believing this is it. But again, science is telling us something very, very different. 
In fact, when we go down to the very smallest particles that we know of, and it seems that we're always finding smaller particles, but one that you and I are probably familiar with as a result of science class, uh, when we go down to the smallest particles that make us up, the, the particles of an atom, we start to discover some absolutely amazing things. Imagine with me for just a moment that this is, is an atom. Now, it doesn't look exactly probably like it did in your uh, physics books growing up in school, but um, I've been around Dr. Drew long enough that my draw his drawings, I think, are starting to rub off on me just a little bit. Um, here is an atom uh, in a little bit more of a realistic representation of what it might actually appear to be. This is the nucleus, and then floating around the atom itself, with all of this space are these little electron particles. Now, when you're able to look at the amount of matter that's involved in an atom, what you discover is that the matter that makes up this, this atom is about 0.0001% of all of the matter that is there. Everything else that is there, all of this space, all of these gaps make up about 99.9999 and the nines keep on going uh, percent of what is, is basically space, basically energy. When we look at ourselves, we think of ourselves as physical beings, but even science itself looks at us and says, um, there's not a whole lot here. There's not a whole lot that's making us up. And if this can be true in the physical world, imagine what that must mean for us inside of the spiritual dimension. Jesus is having to remind himself as a human being that he is not just physical, that this is not all that there is, but that he is a spiritual being and he is here on planet earth in order to be able to reveal that to each of us, to show us that the eternal is what counts the most and not just the here and now. In fact, if you were to take our simple lifespans, maybe eight, 70, 80, 90 years old if we're lucky, uh, if you were to take those simple lifespans and you were to drop that amount of time into what we can look and call eternity, it doesn't equal even that drop. It is such a small amount. And yet, so much of our time and emphasis and worry is spent on physical things. We are not just physical beings. The second challenge that Jesus faces in his humanity while encountering this time of wilderness prayer is found in verses five through eight. It says, then the devil took him up and revealed to him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please and I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And then Jesus' response is, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The second challenge that Jesus is up against is one that we all face in our humanity, is our desire for power and popularity. Now I know that when I say that, most of us immediately kind of sit back and say, that's not my desire. What are you talking about? I, I'm not running for office anytime soon. I'm not seeking any type of big promotion. I don't wanna be the CEO of my company. Um, I'm not after power. In fact, most people would look and say, that's exactly what, um, what I'm opposite of. Be careful, look at the more subtle realities of your life and then determine is power one of those things you might be after. Also, popularity, popularity. hey, I, you know, we, we like to make the statement, I don't really care if, if, if everybody 
everybody likes me or not. Um, I'm not trying to be famous. I don't care how many uh, likes or subscribes I get on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, again, be careful about the more subtle areas of your life. We as human beings have this tendency to want to chase after power or popularity. The way that we like to oftentimes have power is to have some type of control inside, inside of somebody else's life. And through this, we develop all kinds of behaviors, whether it's behaviors that are manipulative in nature, passive aggressive in nature, they might, be, uh, they might be behaviors that try to control people via anger, but we develop all kinds of behaviors in order to be able to have control of somebody. That's us desiring power over someone else. And then popularity shows up in very subtle ways. It might be uh, the person that you have in your life who's exhibiting bad behavior, or they might be an addict. And all along the way, you might be a codependent. You might kind of be helping them out um, in ways uh, that you don't know because you're not forcing them to really face uh, the tough things that their addiction would have them to face or that their bad behaviors would have to face. You're bailing them out you're enabling them, um, you're, you're trying to please people. That is the pursuit of both power and popularity. And Jesus inside of his wilderness prayer uh, is able to resist that temptation. And it is through the deep work of wilderness prayer where we too will be able to uh, face that temptation and move on to the thing that will help us to overcome our desire for, for power and popularity, which is the third temptation that Jesus faces while he's here. And we find that in verses nine through 12. And here's what it reads. Then the devil, took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, then jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and to guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Here's the third challenge of, of Jesus being human that he has to face and the way that he was able to overcome it is during this time of wilderness prayer. And he, this is the greatest challenge that every one of you and I have to face. It's the challenge of our personal identity. The question is, who are we? Satan comes to Jesus at this point and says, if you are who you say you are, if you are the son of God, then do this and you will be okay. And Jesus ever so cleverly uses a verse of scripture to say, I'm not gonna do what you tell me to do. And listen to his answer. You must not test the Lord your God. Well, who was, who was Satan testing? And what kind of statement is Jesus making to Satan at this point? He's looking at Satan and saying, I am. I know who I am. I am the Lord God. That's who I am. Jesus knew who he was. He was able to solidify this during his time of wilderness prayer. And this was going to come to great benefit later on in his ministry. Because I want you to look what verse 13 says. Verse 13 says, and when the devil had finished tempting him, after, after Jesus had established the fact that he was more spiritual than he was physical, after he had taken on uh, this challenge of laying down 
power and popularity, something that would have been very tempting for any of us doing the work and ministry of Jesus through miracles and great teaching and the crowds that followed him. Jesus said, none of that is worth it to me. That's not what's important about this life. And then after Jesus coming to the conclusion of what his identity really was, that he was the son of God, he, look what happens in verse 13. The devil leaves him. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. The devil wasn't done with him. The devil was going to come back and wanted to again tempt Jesus. But because of the time that Jesus had spent inside of wilderness prayer, because he had dealt with the three greatest challenges of being human, he was going to be prepared for his life in ministry in ways that he could never have imagined. Now, most of us have not become everything that we want to become because we have spent a lot of our lives in the middle of these street corner prayers. We've spent a lot of our time praying for God to change things, for God to change circumstances, for God to change others. And we've not spent enough time in the wilderness asking God to change us, asking God to show us who we really are because it's not until we've done that type of deep work that we will be able to face all the challenges of life. I don't know all the times along the way that Satan came in order to be able to tempt Jesus again in his life and his ministry, but there's one time that I know Satan was alive and present at the end of Jesus's ministry. It's at the moment that he's standing there in front of Pontius Pilate, he has been beaten. What a time to remember that you are a physical being. When every part of your body hurts as a result of the lashes that you have taken on your back and your legs. Every part of who he was was reminding him that he was physical. And yet because he had done the wilderness work, he knew that he was so much more than that. As the crowds were around him, and they were screaming, crucify him, crucify him. He was able to withstand that because power and popularity was never anything that he was pursuing. When Pilate asked him who he was and he didn't try to defend it and he didn't try to prove to everybody else who he was, but with a great deal of confidence, he simply stood there as the I am. When he was faced with life's greatest challenges, he was willing and able to endure all of that tough stuff because way back three years earlier, he had done the wilderness prayer work. And that's the challenge that I wanna lay to you today to go ahead and take the time to begin the work of wilderness prayer. Sure, continue the street corner prayer. Sure, continue to pray for things to change and outcomes to change and people to change. All of those have benefits, but the thing that has the greatest eternal benefit is to take the time to say, God, I need you to show me who I am and I need you to change me from what I'm behaving like right now to become who you have created me to be. It will absolutely be the greatest work of your life. You know, it wouldn't be much for me to sit here and to tell you that wilderness prayer needs to be the type of cultivation that takes place in your life if I wasn't trying to do some of it myself. 
this last week, I said, I can't preach this if I don't live it out. And so I decided to sit down and, and spend some time uh, away from the distractions, give God my undivided attention. And I sat down with him and I just said, God, uh, here's some things that I've noticed in my life as of recent. I've noticed that um, kind of in this period of time, this lockdown environment that I'm becoming a lot more uh, touchy I'm becoming a little bit more angry in my responses toward my spouse and toward my children. And, and, and God, I, I, I need you to do some work here and I need you to, to show me like what's really going on, not just the surface level work of this, but what's really happening inside of my soul. Why, why do I feel like this? And so I sat down and I, I, I began to think about my responses. I began to think about how I was dealing with other people around me. And as a result of that, God began to kind of open up and he began to reveal um, some much deeper truths to me. He began to show me that uh, some of the anger that I was exhibiting was the result of some fears in my life, the fears of losing some things. For instance, getting mad at my kids oftentimes is nothing more than the fear of of losing what I believe they ought to be when they grow up or who it is that I want them to be. And as I sat there and I began to realize that much of my anger comes as a result of the fear of loss, I felt some of that emotion start to kind of uh, be cultivated. I felt some of the soil of my soul kind of start to move a little bit. And then I began to sit there longer and I began to think about uh, what would Jesus's response look like with my children? And I began to imagine what his response would look like to my children in, in these touchy situations. And then I literally put myself in the role of Jesus and I began to imagine myself loving my children and having the right type of response to all of their antics and all of the crazy things that they can throw my direction. And as a result, I began to notice that my emotional state, the emotional state that I had started out with, the emotional state that was hardened and packed, that it had begun to change as a result of this prayer time, that I was slowly but surely beginning to really feel the love and compassion that I wanted to exhibit toward my wife and my children. And when I got up from that moment, it was absolutely amazing the way that I was able to respond to them for the rest of the day. And many, much of that is still having an impact at this moment, but none of that happens without the deep work of wilderness prayer. And so my encouragement this, to you this week is in these final moments, it would seem, of lockdown, in these final moments of this strange uh, thing that we are having to go through, when you might be able to find a little bit more time without distraction, go and find that time. Think about the things in your life that you so deeply want to change. Sit with God. Give Him your undivided attention. Don't just pray for the, other th for the things outside of yourself to change, but ask God to change you. Ask Him to reveal to you how you can be different and who it is that He wants you to become. Because folks, I wish I could say that this is the final storm that we'll ever go through, but it's not. But if we'll do the deep work of wilderness prayer, then we will know who we are, that we are a well-loved child of God. And no matter what the future has in store, we're gonna be okay because we are more than what we see in the mirror. 
we have been created with eternal love and we are going to enjoy God in his eternal love. And we can begin enjoying that right now. So please, this week, take the time for some wilderness prayer. Thanks again for joining us for the Messages podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by Pastor Drew's message and we want you to stay encouraged and stay healthy. And so we have a couple of resources for you during this time of COVID-19 where unfortunately we have to be apart, but we are hoping that you don't have to be alone. So head over to sevenrun.com slash COVID-19 help. That's all one word. There, we've got a couple options for you. You can sign up for a prayer request. You can send a prayer request uh, for yourself or for someone else. You can also sign up for support, again, for yourself or someone else. And finally, you can sign up to be part of our response team. That team right now is working on setting up our building to be a food bank, as well as uh, setting up a time for us to hold a blood drive. You can, again, find those at sevenrun.com slash COVID-19 help. Ultimately, we just hope that you're staying healthy, staying encouraged, stay plugged in, follow us on Facebook, uh, join our Seven Runners Facebook group. Um, we're trying to put out content every day that will encourage you through this time where, again, we have to be apart, but we are not alone. Have a great day.